Here First is sponsored by UCS Healthcare, offering compassionate healthcare for all. Learn more about their services, including statewide access to medication-assisted treatment for alcohol and opioid use disorders at ucsonline.org. Today is Wednesday. It's the 1st of February. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. A Russian hacking group has claimed to have taken down the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics website, along with the websites of dozens of other hospitals nationwide. KCRG-TV reports UIHC acknowledged its website was down yesterday and its IT staff is investigating the cause but could not confirm whether it was the result of a cyber attack. However, Better Cyber, a cybersecurity company that monitors attacks worldwide, included UIHC in a list of sites taken down by the Russian group Killnet. It says the group is targeting hospitals and medical facilities nationwide. It's unclear if any of the attacks would hamper hospital operations or expose patient data. At the State House, the Iowa House Education Committee is advancing a 3% increase in state aid for public schools. The bill would provide around $106 million in new funding for local district, which is more than either Governor Reynolds or the Iowa Senate have proposed. If approved, the House proposal would be the largest percentage increase in school funding since 2015. But Nathan Arnold of Professional Educators of Iowa told a subcommittee yesterday that schools need even more financial support from the state to help attract and keep teachers. Schools used to compete between each other to get the best teachers, but now they're competing with the private sector, which oftentimes pays much better and has much better conditions than uh, the schools. Representative Craig Johnson, a Republican from Independence, says a 3% increase is consistent with past years and is affordable for Iowa taxpayers. The school funding increase will also set the value of education savings accounts passed into law last week. Families that apply for an ESA will receive the same amount as per-pupil funding for public schools. Also under a bill advancing in the Iowa House, parents would have to provide written permission before a school could call a transgender student by a name or pronouns that affirm their gender identity. IPR's Grant Gerlach tells us opponents of the bill say they're concerned about student safety and privacy. LGBTQ advocates told lawmakers that many transgender youth keep their identity confidential because it could expose them to bullying or abuse at school or at home. Agatha Snyder Mall goes to school in Waukee and opposes the bill because it could force classmates to come out before they're ready. As a gender-fluid kid in sixth grade, I have many friends who uh, trust the school counselors and are still struggling to come out to the teachers, and I don't want them to feel even more uncomfortable. Supporters of the bill say it's a matter of parents' rights and that educators should not talk with students about something as important as their gender identity without involving a parent. The bill was passed out of the Education Committee, which makes it eligible for debate on the House floor. Republicans on a different House panel advanced a bill to give Iowa's trucking industry new liability protections. We learn more from IPR's Katerina Sestark. The bill would ensure trucking companies don't have to pay damages in most lawsuits related to crashes caused by semis. It would also put a $1 million cap on non-economic damages awarded in cases of personal injury or death caused by a commercial motor vehicle. Kelly Paschke is a lobbyist with the Iowa Association for Justice, which opposes the bill. She says the bill would make truck drivers the scapegoat for their employer's bad decisions. So what does employer direct negligence look like? Well, in Iowa, we've seen a few different things. First of all, it is employers who hire truck drivers with known drug addiction. What could go wrong? It's employers who hire drivers and tell them to exceed their hours of service. 
making the drivers fatigued, causing accidents. But again, what could go wrong? Trucking industry and business groups say the bill is needed to give them predictability and improve their insurance market. And a depleted state fund for emergency financial assistance to Iowa veterans is receiving a shot in the arm. The Cedar Rapids Gazette reports $440,000 in federal pandemic relief will go to the Iowa Veterans Trust Fund. It's here first. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Evictions are back on the rise in the Midwest, putting an increasing number of tenants at risk for housing insecurity. Rent hikes, low wages, and the end of federal pandemic rental assistance are partly to blame. In Iowa, overall rent is up about 4 percent over last year. IPR's Natalie Krebs reports this growing housing crisis threatens public health. The trouble for Roland Carroll started last fall. His apartment complex in Cedar Rapids told him that his federal housing aid had been reduced months ago for the unit he lived in for two years. Oh, it's a one-bedroom, it's falling apart, basically. Carol owed more than $2,000 in back rent. I was in shock. I'm like, how the heck could I own this amount of money without you guys saying something months ago, you know? Carol doesn't own a car and works odd jobs through a local temp agency. He struggled to pay his debt while keeping up on his $339 a month rent. The apartment complex filed to evict him a few days after Christmas. Carol says he was worried because local shelters were full, and he has many chronic health issues that cost money. I'm diabetic. I have uh, arthritis. I have asthma. With the help of the nonprofit Iowa Legal Aid, Carol successfully got the case dismissed at his hearing in mid-January because his apartment had failed to give him sufficient notice. Making rent is still a challenge for Carol, and his health suffers. Yeah, I've been so so darn stressed out. You know, my 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 mental health is really poor at the moment. The eviction moratorium issued by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention ended in mid 2021, and Iowa, like most states, ended its federally funded emergency rent and utility program last year. Now, many Americans face housing insecurity and its health impact. In fact, last year, Iowa hit a record 18,000 eviction filings. You know, rents keep going up and up. Nick Gratz is with Princeton University's Eviction Lab Project that tracks eviction filings in several states. Gratz specializes in the link between housing and public health. He says even the threat of eviction puts tenants in a risky position with their health. The result is that people go from paying 60% of their income on rent to 70% of their income on rent and sort of just have to absorb that cost by foregoing things like preventative health care, facing higher food insecurity, you know, things like that. A literature review in the journal Social Science and Medicine showed studies have tied the threat of eviction to depression, anxiety, high blood pressure, and child maltreatment. People facing housing insecurity are also disproportionately women, people of color, and those with disabilities. Gratz says chronic health issues or a health emergency can push people into a scenario where they're more likely to be evicted. It's hard when you're trying to navigate something like that. Maybe you fall behind on rent and then you can quickly get into this space where it becomes really difficult to to avoid 
you know, an eviction filing. Federal and state lawmakers have proposed a variety of policy solutions to combat evictions. Iowa incentivizes developers to build affordable housing. Minnesota lawmakers are considering a rent voucher program. One popular growing solution is eviction diversion programs, like the one Iowa Legal Aid runs in six of the state's county courthouses. Attorney John Bitterman types on a laptop at a desk just past the metal detectors at the Lane County Courthouse. This morning we had 12 hearings. Um, I'd say that's pretty common for this winter. He works with Iowa Legal Aid's Eviction Diversion Help Desk. The group started the program at the beginning of the pandemic in response to the rising number of eviction cases. Bitterman says generally they work out deals with landlords or try to get cases dismissed. Homelessness being put out is such a, a crisis for a person that if you're able to prevent that or even buy them a week, that can really make a difference in a person's life. In the meantime, Iowa Legal Aid would like to open more eviction help desks in county courthouses across the state. I'm Natalie Krebs, IPR News. This story from Natalie comes from a collaboration between IPR News, SideFX Public Media, and the Midwest Newsroom. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters.